This is episode number 280 with Jeff D. Epstein of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Go, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. What's going on, Founder Fam? Nathan Chan here, Sion Publisher of Founder Magazine and also the host of the Founder Podcast. So we hope you're all having a great day wherever you are around the world. Thank you for taking the time to share your earbuds with me. As always, we interview some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation to really help you build and grow a successful business. So it's coming to a close and I hope you're like closing 2019 hard and, and you're working hard to smash your goals and you're also thinking about 2020 um, because that's something we're thinking about. Uh, we got some really exciting things happening in Founder. As always, a lot of new products, so much more content to help you guys start, grow or scale your business. And let's talk about today's guest, Jeff D. Epstein. Uh, so he's the founder of a company called Ambassador. And he actually sold that company. So I talked to him around that sales process, how he actually built that company to be sold. Um, was the journey building Ambassador a smooth like ride? Um, you know, what it was like to run a quote-unquote fat startup. Um, we, we talk about, you know, how I got into Techstars. Did that make a difference? all the things happened with the acquisition. I really picked his brain around post-acquisition as well. I hear a lot of stories where people say that, you know, when you leave your, you sell your company, um, it's a big part of your identity. Uh, so I talked to him about all of that so much more. Really, really interesting journey that Jeff's had. So before we jump into this episode, I just wanted to share with you guys our latest uh, product that I'm really, really excited about, which may help you on your business journey. So one thing that's been really interesting at Founder is the way that we have found a way to still produce 99.9% .9 of our free content uh, and still you know, build a, a profitable publishing and media company 
is to create online courses because I found that there was a massive market here in the sense that there's no place that you can go to learn from founders that have actually done it, like certain things like copywriting, like how to start an e-commerce business, like how to start a freelancing or consulting business or how to you know do growth hacking from people that have actually done it. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff online, but it's not enough. You like to really, really learn something. It's it's you've got to go deep, right? So, what we do is we actually convince a lot of the founders that we interview on this podcast to actually teach these incredible courses. And one thing that keeps coming up that people wanted to learn, which is quite interesting, is how to actually start a tech startup. Like, how do you actually find out, you know, you probably got an idea. Some of you guys might be listening. You haven't launched your business yet. You might have an idea for a piece of software. How do you actually start that? You know, I want to eventually start a software company underneath founder, you know, a tool to serve founders. I think it'd be really fun. And I think there's a market there as well for us. So um, we've we've convinced one of my mentors, Mitch Harper, the founder of Big Commerce, uh, to teach this course for us. And He's done it, you know, he's an eight times founder. His most successful company, Big Commerce, is valued over a billion dollars. And he's compiled this course and his method into what what we call the 60-day startup framework. And the course is called 60-day startup. So we are launching it. We do have an early bird, uh, you know, launch special. Um, like you do, if you are interested, please do make sure you sign up. Just go to www.founder.com forward slash 60 day startup sorry to ramble guys you know we don't we don't sell advertising sometimes i'll let you know about our products and i'm just really really passionate about this course because it's crazy at majority of the founders we interview are tech founders and we finally have a product that if you're listening and you and you do have an idea for software I believe this will be an incredible course to really help serve you. So make sure you sign up. We're launching the course in the next few days and I'd, I'd hate for you to miss out. All right, that's it from me, guys. Now let's jump into the show. The first question I ask everyone that comes on is, uh, how'd you get your job? Ha. So it's it's funny. Um, the the you, uh, I was thinking about this the other day and like being an entrepreneur entrepreneur might be the easiest job to get in the world. Um, you literally just start, uh, you don't make anything. I didn't make, I didn't make any money for a long time, but I, I got my job by literally just starting to work and, and really actually spending money and time. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's, that's how I got started. Um, and was, was, was ambassador your, your first company? So no, no. So ambassador. So my, you know, my, my kind of my story, so to speak started, uh, I mean, I've always been entrepreneurial. So I started, uh, like a website in, in, in undergrad, which was like in the year 2000, which was pretty early for, in terms of like internet startups. We, for me, it was like my first taste of having like fast internet, for example, being in, in, in my dorm room in, at MSU. Um, so I had a couple website companies that kind of flopped and, and, and failed, I guess. I mean, they weren't even companies. They were just, you know, ideas that were that I paid to get done. Um, then when I was in law school, I started a company in the affiliate marketing space that actually did well and, and helped me pay off my loans and 
and allowed me to not have to worry about practicing law, which I was, you know, six figures in debt at the time and super nervous about not really enjoying the practice of law, but not knowing what else I was qualified to do in, in life as an adult. And so uh, luckily I, I did that and, and sold that affiliate company and made enough money to pay off my loans. And then uh, Ambassador was kind of an offshoot from, from that concept of, of really people referring others, um, you know, to, 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 you know, to get to help businesses get more customers. And so that was what I had done uh, in law school. And then also that was the idea of Ambassador was to um, help companies do, do that. Right. Um, so that, that was how it started. Yeah. I see. Um, would love to really dive deep on ambassador, um, because you recently sold that, but, uh, can you tell us more about, um, the affiliate marketing company and, and you said you sold it, uh, what, what were you doing exactly and, and how long were you working on it and who bought it and, yeah, so it was much more of a traditional company that was online than than like an internet startup, and because this was in the early, the mid two thousands, and so I had just started it with a couple of friends of mine. Um, in in the, the simplest sense, we basically were an affiliate to online poker sites, which at the time were legal and have now become illegal. Um, but but back then it was it was legitimate, and my friends and it was during the time and myself as well were really big in online poker and so we knew uh, there was quite a large community growing of you know 20 somethings who were professional or kind of like e-gaming is now really i think you you kind of saw that every kid wanted to be a poker player you know 10 15 years ago mm-hmm. and so i had a bunch of friends and as long along with myself who were very into it and we started kind of combining forces so to speak and getting essentially better deals from the poker rooms, which is, you know, the, the poker rooms actually gave like sort of money back, just like a casino would give comps. Um, so we use that as a way and, 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 you know, we kind of collectively, it was essentially a, an affiliate model, but we, we, we did that to, to, to make money. And so I, I, I sold to my partners. It wasn't for a ton of money, to be honest. Um, you know, it's not, again, not like the internet of today. And, and again, the, the laws were changing. So, uh, you know, I, I, I sold probably, I sold low <laughs> to, to, I guess would be a way to put it, but it was, but again, with what, how well we did and what I sold for was enough to pay off, pay off my loans, which was kind of my goal. Um, and, and, and so I was able to do that and kind of have a fresh start, which was really fortunate being in a big city in law school, which is super expensive. Um, so that was kind of the, the affiliate company, so to speak. And again, it was really just people referring their friends over, AOL instant messenger and things like that to just grow this community of people who play poker. And then we could, you know, we, we were able to kind of communicate directly with the poker sites and, and, and get, and get better deals for, for the players. Yeah. Got you. Okay. Makes sense. Um, so then you started ambassador. When was that? So ambassador technically started about, um, a year or so after a year and a half, maybe after, um, and, you know, for as much as I learned in the affiliate company, I didn't really learn anything about building a business. It was it was simply literally three or four guys, um, you know, just just doing stuff word of mouth. I mean, there was no process. There was really no formal business or anything like that. So I, I did most of the, of the legwork, to be honest. The other guys were mostly in poker rooms and things like passing out cards and things. And I was actually doing all the back office and very basic website stuff. And I, and I wasn't building it myself. I had hired some outsourced, you know, developers to do it. So, um, you know, starting ambassador, 
Um, and, and I should even say in, in between, I actually bought a different internet business. So I was like, oh, I totally get internet businesses now. I'm, I'm you know, I know what I'm doing. And I, and I bought one and it failed miserably and, and wasted a bunch of money and, and probably a year. So in, that was what I was kind of doing in that in between year uh, before ambassador. And, and then, uh, yeah, sorry, to realize that, but um, can you tell us about that? What exactly happened? Yeah. So it was, it was an, it was a business that I knew nothing about, but I got a really good deal on it. And it was um, it was an SA, it was an SEO related business, and and it was doing let's say like hundred thousand dollars a year, and I and I bought it for way less than what it was making in revenue. It was like a fraction of of the revenue, yeah. and it was a gentleman who had a had an agency, and this was kind of like a side project, and. Um, so, so that, so that was the idea. And, and a friend had brought it to me and he was like, you know, you just, you know, are in, into the internet space. And, and again, in 2007 in Metro Detroit, Michigan, like that was a rare thing to know about the internet in general. Right. So you're kind of, I'm like lumped in with all the people who could build stuff, even though I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and so I bought this company and Unlike the poker thing where I kind of knew the language and understood poker because I love poker. I knew nothing about SEO uh, when I started this company or when I bought this company. I knew nothing about internet marketing, really. You know, I mean, I knew some basics. And so it was a really, actually a really poor fit for me. And then I also knew nothing about development. So um, the combination of those three things, I think, led to kind of the downfall. But the ultimate downfall was we tried to rewrite the code base. Um, and that was a massive failure in, 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 a, in a money pit. And that actually kind of sunk. It kind of took the life out of me in terms of the passion for the, for the business. I, I think I learned a little bit about SEO and kind of thought it was interesting. But the fact that I couldn't get the product to work the way I wanted it to and didn't know enough to be helpful was, was super painful. And so ultimately, you know, it was it was a tax write off at the end of the day is, is what it became. Um, and, and the reason why, which is ironic, the reason why Ambassador started was my big idea for this for this SEO business was to create an affiliate program for for this company, you know, for this business that I bought. And so when I was asking the developers to build it or, you know, to to like I didn't even realize that I could just buy the software. That was how early it was. And so when I was asking them to build it, I said, well, how much more would it cost if I actually built a product instead of just building it into this website? And they're like, it'll cost about the same. Oh, so wow. I decided to build a product instead. And then Ambassador was, I realized had much more potential and something I knew much more about. So that was really the birth of, of, of Ambassador it was called Zferl at the time, but it was really born around that idea, you know, and in, in, in kind of, it was like mid 2009 ish, I guess. And then officially launched around then and officially incorporated like 2010 or something like that. Yeah, I see. And um, were there any other players in the space at the time? Um, did you like uh, do any, you know, speaking to customers, or you just had a hunch that, um, yeah, creating software that would facilitate <laughs> referrals would be a great idea? Yeah. So there, there were a few players out there. There was, there was like Commission Junction, which was this big marketplace. Um, and I had a little of experience with the commission junction and, and, and then there was also sort of these very kind of low quality, um, kind of like outsource, like download products. And I, I forgot the name of one of them, but they're still around today and they're like a hundred bucks. And, but it was like really 
bare bones and you, you didn't get any support or anything. So there wasn't anything that I saw that was more of like a traditional SaaS. Yes. Uh, right, right, when we, right when we launched, um, has offers launched as well, which is now Tune, and, and they've been really successful uh, as well. And we kind of went in different directions, but we both, you know, in, in many, in some ways kind of solved the same thing. And it was really just like a SaaS affiliate, you know, management platform. And so um, I definitely didn't do a lot of research. Like I, again, like the, the fat, the, the, this, the, the lean startup methodology didn't exist. And, and when I read it, I was, I, I was like, man, this was like the fattest startup ever. You know, we did everything backwards. <laughs> Um, it was like built a product. I knew nothing about what, you know, like the naming conventions, even for products. Like I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know what I didn't know, which in some ways was a blessing because I think if I had known what I know now, I would have never started. Um, but it also led to a lot of, I think, frustration and, and of course a, a ton of mistakes. Um, and, and for me, you know, I probably spent three years learning, you know, and pay, sort of paying my own tuition, so to speak. I was, you know, paying and losing money and not paying myself. Uh, but, but, but that I think ultimately allowed me to learn. And then as we got to, you know, what you may call product market fit, where we, you know, had let's say a million dollars in revenue, so to speak. Um, you know, by then that was probably three, four years later. Then by then, it kind of, you know, learned the next part of business, which is how to grow a company. Uh, and, and that's very different than what you would imagine. Right. And, and, and for me, anyways, for me, it was so not, not especially not having uh, sort of a real job ever. Um, so that was quite an eye opener. And, and that was what, kind of what I spent the last few years working on is, is really building a company and, and you know, dealing with culture and people and all and all those things, which is quite different than building a product. Yeah, I agree. So um, how did you learn that? Uh, I mean, I, I, I like to learn by doing. So I think, I mean, I've certainly read, I, I read a lot. I love, you know, I think today there's so much information out there, which is fantastic. Like I remember the only thing that I, that I could find and I remember I printed it out. Like this is so old school, but it was like this, um, you know, Naval and, and Nibby like wrote this thing, like probably like 2010 about like investigating investors. It was like angel hacks or something. Right. And it was like, yeah, yeah. there was a handful of, of, of like, PDFs on the on on the internet. There were a couple people blogging, but there was really nothing out there when I started. Um, you know, now there's so much. Um, you know, Jason Lemkin on Saster is amazing. I mean, like his stuff is so good. Um, you know, I, I you know, there's so many folks though that so many blog blogs and bloggers and 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 books now that that can help. But um, for me, I learned a lot by doing, and and you know, I think my philosophy changed quite a bit over the years, but. Um, I mean, I think at a certain point, it's super humbling to start a company and you, you screw up a lot. Um, and it, you, you have to sort of know, realize that you don't you usually don't know what you're doing. Um, but you have to be willing to learn and make mistakes and, you know, you want to make mistakes, but you need to learn from them. Um, and so for me, I think I did, I do, I think I do a solid job of like learning from my mistakes and not making the same mistake twice. Um, and that 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 was kind of all facets of the business, you know, of between, you know, building a product and selling, you know, software and having, you know, hiring the wrong employee or treating people the wrong way or all, you know, all the things you do wrong, which are, which are all those things, right. When you're, when you're, when you're building a company and just trying to be better next time. And, and that was, you know, what I really focused on for myself was continuing to like level up as, you know, person and individual and a company and then hope everyone can kind of follow suit. 
Yeah, I see. And when it comes to the, I guess, the building of the company side, um, did you build a team locally or were you guys fully distributed and remote or was it a hybrid combination between the two? It, it was a hybrid and we started, we started my first original developer was remote and, and the cool part of the story was he built the first version of the first product and he's still there today. So, uh, Greg, Greg S who's, who's awesome. Um, so he was, he's in Poland and, you know, he was part of a team. Uh, cool. Yeah. And an agency and, you know, didn't speak a lot of English and, you know, and, and, and he, you know, kind of watching him, uh, become like a huge part of the team is really cool. And, and, um, you know, he was a big contributor and still is. And so that, that was really cool and fun to see. Um, but the, you know, most, most of the team was, was that, that was pretty rare. We had a couple folks that were, um, you know, uh, Greg and Marco, Marco's in, in Croatia. So we had two, two devs who were, uh, in Europe, but everybody else, all the rest of the, you know, the team was, was, was pretty local. Um, we ended up having two offices, um, Michigan and, and, and Denver, uh, but the majority of the team was in Michigan, um, which is where we were in Metro Detroit. So, it, you know, we, we, we tried remote, we had a couple, you know, um, I, I think remote's the future. So I, I think we got more comfortable with it. I think there are a lot of downsides to remote early on. And, and I think it's really hard to do both. Um, in hindsight, I would, I, I think if I were to start another company, I would do a fully remote company. I think it's, I think it's easier to start remote than to have people that are used to not being remote and then have other folks that are remote because the, the work style and the expectations for things I think are just inherently different. And, and I think it created some problems having a little bit of both. Um, and from an engineering perspective, I mean, it's, it's, I think that's the easiest part because, you know, if, if you're just like an individual contributor writing code, like you don't need to be around a lot of people, you know, very often, like it's, it's probably beneficial to be kind of, uh, in an environment that you're the most comfortable, uh, where, whereas that's a little bit different maybe for some other people and other departments. Yeah. So, um, it is tough. Like we, we have a hybrid kind of model, um, but as time is going on, we're kind of building more local because I think from my experience learning thus far, it's, it's really powerful to have someone in the same room or everyone yes. in the same room. And, and that is heavily, heavily discounted now when everybody pushes that remote piece, like it is so powerful just to have all key stakeholders in the room all the time. For sure. And I mean, I, I, I fundamentally agree with you. And I think I was probably one of the strongest advocates, to be honest, for everybody in the same room at the same time. Um, and I, and I, and I, and I fundamentally believe that's the best, the best way to achieve your goals most, most efficiently, let's say. Right. But then, you know, I think for me, what the challenge was, or for us, what the challenge was, was it didn't seem like that meshed well with sort of like the more modern employee who wanted kind of a, a, a different schedule really, or, or the ability to have a different schedule in a lot of ways. And so, you know, we adapted to that. It wasn't, it wasn't ideal for, I think for a lot of reasons, but um, I, I, I totally understand why it's necessary for people. And like, I get it. And I think the challenge was sort of having different rules for different people created a lot of like heartache for us 
or for me, because, you know, certain people would be like, it's, this is not fair. Other people would say, this isn't fair. And, you know, and, and, and for me, that just bothered me. Um, so I, I kind of hate having like different rules for different people. Like I really, that's just a kind of against how I am. Um, but you know, and I think when you have, when you have adults and you have people that are hardworking, it doesn't matter. Um, and you'd like to think that you always have people like that, but the reality is if you don't, it creates a lot of problems. And so we went through some cycles where it was a lot of problems and then it would be great. And then, you know, then maybe a couple problems, but then, you know, we figured it out, I think, and, and, and now it's kind of a well lit machine. I think it works really well. And I know even today when, you know, I'm still I'm not there, but, uh, it sounds like things are going really well and, and, you know, I keep in touch with a lot of folks and, and it's cool. I mean, they've picked it up and, and done even better than, than I was doing. So that's great. Yeah. So, um, when you say it's a well-oiled machine now, what, what can you just kind of define kind of what the working model is? Cause you said it was hybrid. Yeah. I think there's just a very, I, I think there's just a lot of flexibility in terms of, of, of where, where in fact you are, you know, like, I mean, I don't think you need to be, I, I think like the office, you, know, you gotta, we got them acquired by a company that had, you know, that has dozens or you know, dozens of offices across the globe. And so, you know, immediately, you know, people, it's, it's completely fine to be out of the office for some kind of amount of time or, you know, to not be in the same location as your boss, for example. Um, these things were pretty new for the most part for a lot of people, you know? So I think from, again, from what I've heard, things are going really well. And I think it just, you know, I think it was just an opportunity for, you know, people, again, people to have like a little bit more individual autonomy, which is, you know, which is, which is something that it, it it's, it's something that you wrestle with if you want to have everybody in the same room at the same time. Right. Um, Cause you usually can't have, you usually can have it both ways. You know, it's like, you know, people, some people want, you know, some teams like to sleep in other people like to get home early. Maybe they have, you know, things to do or, you know, whether it's golf or they have kids or, so it's like all of a sudden you have all these different things. And, and so, you know, I, you know, in one regard, I think, you know, you can make the argument that, you know, as long as you get your work done, you know, no matter what, it's fine. And on the other hand, you have, you know, I've, I've, I've read this, article by uh, the company called Carta, where they're like, we're like a hockey team. We all practice together at the same time, you know? And I think, yeah, I don't, there's no, there's nothing right or wrong. Yeah. I think they both work. I think the, the, the challenge is uh, being consistent from an organizational perspective so that the people who join the team know what they're getting into. And I think that's where originally we didn't do a great job and that, and that's my fault. And, and you learn from it. Right. And you, I think you, you, you make sure that we're setting that correct expectations and, having that conversation with potential employees very early in the process so that everyone is happy with what, how, how things work. And then if you do that, then I think, you know, that, that, that sets you up for success. If you don't do that, then I think, you know, uh, can create problems down the road. Yeah. 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 I agree. So, um, talk to me about like ambassador. So, uh, how'd you get your first batch of customers? how did you build this thing up? Yeah. <laughs> so the first batch was, was, was a, was a big batch and, and not necessarily in a good way. So, um, ambassador started as freemium and it was kind of right off the heels of Dropbox, which was like this massive success, right. Of, yeah. of, 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 of a freemium product that just grew, like grew like wildfire. And so I was like, well, of course I'm going to do the same thing. And I remember we had, I think 600, signups 
people using Ambassador before a single person even paid us like a dollar. <laughs> so it, the, the freemium didn't work. And, and again, like Dropbox works for, you can make the argument that Dropbox can literally be used by anybody. That That's not the case for Ambassador, right? It's like a very, it's a much more niche product. And, um, and, and even if you just narrow it down to businesses, it's much a much smaller market. So like, you know, just a freemium idea wouldn't work. And, and you know, that was over the course of, of lots, you know, several months at least. So um, I think I didn't get my first paying customer that renewed for a couple months until like six months in. So it was a wow. huge struggle. It was painful. Um, I mean, I remember doing everything with uh, the woman who, who, uh, who was the first customer. So I remember her name. Um, and, and I think, you know, it was one of those things where it kind of, we kind of inched along, you know, you know, day by day, you know, you know, we started measuring the funnel and started figuring it out and started raising prices and started doing, you know, trials. And, you know, I, I spent a lot of time, uh, with a couple, a couple people who became good friends, but I was in a mastermind group, which really helped me think about business a little bit differently and understand some, you know, internet marketing strategies. And it was essentially just me. So it was really me. And, you know, as I mentioned, Greg, who was in Poland, we weren't really, he was just kind of doing work. He wasn't really like part of, he was part of the team, of course, but he wasn't like, we didn't have meetings or anything. I mean, for the most part, he was just doing kind of the tasks that were, you know, in, in the task management system. Right. And, and I'm doing everything else. And it was like just me and him. Um, and then slowly, you know, we'd add one person and then another person. So it, it, it took, like I said, probably three or four years to get to, um, you know, $10,000 a month in revenue, which, which isn't a lot. Um, but then from there and, and, you know, from there we got to a hundred thousand a month, which is, you know, million ARR. And from there we then, you know, raised a little bit, we raised a little bit of money before that and raised a little bit of money, about money when we got to a million. And so then all of a sudden you could start investing a little bit and, you sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel, at least to the next phase of the business. And so that was kind of how it started. But there, I wish there was a cool story, but it was really, I mean, a lot of it, I, I think I, maybe I blacked out because it was, it was, <laughs> it was really painful in the, in the beginning. Um, you know, but at a certain point it became, you know, uh, you know, it was all, it was mostly inbound for, for the first, you know, million or so in revenue. So the nice thing was, you know, people came, came, you know, sign, you know they raised their hands, so to speak, they came, they came to us. And then it was like, all right, we need to build out a sales team. And, and that, that's a very different process. Um, but the good news was we kind of established this kind of small brand by then and, um, you know, had people coming in and signing up for demos and things like that. Yeah, got you. So um, you said it took like three to four years to get to around 10K MRR. Is that correct? So we were in Techstars in 2011. So in 2012, when we get out of tech stars, we were at about like 15 K MRR. So it took a solid two years probably. Yeah. And, and in mind you, I, we'd probably started the company a little bit before 2010 or like started developing it. So, so it was about two years, which is, which is honestly way too long. You know, I mean that, that would be, um, let me take that back. Actually. It's, it's really hard if you, if, if you need to make money, right? Like I didn't pay myself for that time. Like I was fortunate. I was married. Like my wife was, bringing enough money and we live in a cheap area in Michigan uh, where, where you could survive on, you know, not that much money, right? Our, our, our mortgage was under a thousand dollars a month. Okay. So it was like, it, we could survive. Um, but it's that, that's really tough. You know, it's tough to build a company and, and take, take that long to get to 10,000 a month. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. That's what I was going to ask. How did you survive? 
Yeah. So I, was, I mean, I was lucky. Um, you know, I had my uh, obviously, you know, like I said, my wife uh, was fortunate enough um, where she was able to, you know, pay the bills. And and for for a time, I also, um, I mean, it is super cliche, but I also lived in my parents' basement, and my wife actually did too. She we weren't we weren't yet married, but we lived in my parents' basement <laughs> before before, and I actually think like during uh, the first few months of our after we got married, which is highly embarrassing to to think about now, but, um, you know, we were kind of all in and, um, you know, my, my wife, and I give her a lot of credit. Like we, I remember we like had this conversation where, where I told her, it was like, you know, I'm going to start this company and I may not make any money for, for a while. Like, is that okay? And, and if it's okay with you, like, can you please like not throw it in my face? And she didn't, you know, which was, which is amazing. Cause it's easy to, I think to, to make that promise, but I think it's a lot harder when, you know, it doesn't seem like I'm bringing much to the table. And then, and, and I, and I didn't for probably, you know, a few years, uh, from, at least financially, um, you know, so th- that's a, that's a hard thing to do. And I, you know, I give entrepreneurs a lot of credit and I, and I give the spouses of entrepreneurs a lot of credit too, because it's, it might even be harder for them. Um, and so, so I was, you know, really lucky from that perspective. Yeah. I, yeah, I see. So, um, after you went through, so you went through TechStars. Yes. And um, what decided you to do that and not go it alone? So, so I went to TechStars for a few reasons, but one, again, looking, thinking back to, you know, the, the two th- you know, this 2009, 2008, I, there was very little content about startups. And so I found this video about tech stars and I had never heard of it until they had this like video series and they like follow, you know, it was like a little like video. And it was like, I was like, wow, this is like the coolest thing ever that there was like a, basically like a boot camp for, for entrepreneurs. Cause I would love to know all these things and I don't know anything. Um, so I applied and I actually got to the final cut, but I didn't make it. Um, and one of the pieces of feedback was like, you don't have like a founder who's like local or like, you know, I'm a co-founder. Um, so I ended up applying again and basically right before we went, I said, I will have a local, you know, co-founder and I hired someone from my area and we both went to New York together and, um, you know, we didn't, didn't work out with him long-term, but we both, you know, we went through Techstar. We ended up getting in we went through Techstars in New York, um, so, so that, you know, and, and for me, I was thinking, well, you know, this could be a really good opportunity uh, for the business, of course, but it can also be a really good learning experience for me. And it, and it was, and I, I learned a ton and I made a lot of really good friends and of course got to meet with investors. And so we raised some money right after that, a couple hundred thousand dollars, like a very small amount of money. We probably raised like the least amount of money of the companies that raised, uh, which was probably almost all of them. Uh, and then we used that money for about almost three years. And then we raised a, a, a little bit more money in 2015. So we were super, super lean, super scrappy. Um, but the the Techstars experience and the confidence that it gave me of like the validation that, hey, this is a really, this is potential. Because I think, you know, you know, you're, you know, whatever your mom or your spouse can tell you that's interesting, right? Or you can have a couple customers. But I think the validation of like this national program where we were picked out of, you know, thousands of companies, we were one of 10. That was, I think it gave me the confidence to really dive in full steam. Um, and I don't know if I would have been able to stick with it that long had I not done that. And certainly not if I wouldn't have raised money because, you know, at a certain point, I think, um, 
you know, I started taking at least a nominal salary. And I remember it was a big day in our household where, you know, it wasn't that I, it wasn't the fact that I was necessarily making money, but it was that we weren't spending money on the business anymore, you know? So that was like a big day, you know? Yeah, that's cool. Um, so how did you really get traction? You think, um, was it like, was it having, uh, you know, a special kind of refer a friend within ambassador or, or like what, like what, what really gave you guys traction? You know, I think it was, I mean, I'd like to think it was a convergence of a lot of things. Some of them intentional, some of them, I think a little bit more luck and timing. Um, I think we did a really great job of like content marketing and we had great branding. I think we had some really smart things that we did well early. And some of it again was luck. Some of it I like to think was intentional. Like the name ambassador, I think is just a really great name. Okay. Uh, and we didn't own ambassador.com, but it didn't, I don't think it, it didn't matter. Like ambassador sounds so much better than some of the competitors out there. Um, we also, I think did a great job with, you know, branding and, and, um, like I said, content and, and, and even design. Um, I think we, we, we did well from the beginning there. Uh, I also think it was just, it was, it was the right time in the market. You know, it was, you know, during the life cycle of sort of my career at ambassador, we saw, you know, SEO as like a primary driver of marketing to marketing automation, which is, you know, there's five public companies, right. Or there's 10 billion or $20 billion of enterprise value of, of marketing automation companies. And they didn't even exist when we started ambassador. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's, it's pretty crazy how marketing has evolved. And I think, you know, uh, word of mouth, you know, again, the reason why I, I, I loved ambassador and was passionate about, about word of mouth is because, you know, you know, referrals are, are ubiquitous, right? Like they, they, they transcend any, any channel or, or, or form, uh, or, or, or medium, so to speak, right? Like people want, like they're, they're inherently going to refer things that they, that they like. So it was really just something that was evolving over internet, you know, over the internet as, as a way for people to consume. And it was natural that people would be using referral software, just like they would be using all these other types of software eventually. And so I think the timing made a lot of sense. And so we were able to be pretty early and grow with just the general, you know, tailwind sort of, 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 of marketing on the internet, right? Like, you know, the, so, so I think that was a big part of it as well. And I think, you know, I'd like to think that we learned quickly and we were efficient and, you know, we, we did much better than our, many of our competitors who had raised lots and lots of more, you know, lots and lots of money and much, much, much more than we had. And I think we, you know, we were very, very smart and efficient and, and did quite well considering like the resources that we had. Yeah. I, um, we have to work towards wrapping up, but a couple of big key questions I'd love to ask you is one, actually, let's go for three more questions. I hope you can remember them. Sure. Sorry. Question number one is, uh, how, like, do you, do you think that every company should have a referral program? I'd love to hear some stories, um, on any like crazy results any companies had got, because I think, I think it is serious, low hanging fruit if executed correctly. It's never worked for us at Founder, to be honest, but we haven't really tried to do it properly. Uh, question number two, I'd love to hear about uh, the acquisition of Ambassador. And then uh, the last question would be, where's the place, best place people can find out more about yourself and your work? Sure. 
Um, so first question is, I think the easiest one, the answer is every company should absolutely have a referral program at some point in their life. But I would say it's not the first thing you should do, right? So I think you need to have customers and like an established like steady product first and things like that, right? I think the challenge that we saw with companies that weren't successful was they were trying, they were almost desperate to, to grow or survive. Um, and it probably, at that point, that's not the best point to necessarily have a referral program. If it's, if it's lightning in a bottle, if you're Dropbox, right? If you're, you know, some companies and you're just like super viral, then referral programs make a ton of sense. Um, but otherwise it's like, you probably need to have a steady stable business first with like a, the community of buyers or community of customers that you can talk to and have them refer, you know, and have them kind of start. Um, so a lot of times we tell people, and I actually really like the saying, we don't want to be your first referral platform. We want to be your last. Um, and, and I think that that worked well. Like we saw companies be successful that were using us, you know, after they had done either one in-house or they had done one on a different platform that was maybe cheaper. And then they kind of realized, oh, this is why ambassadors better. This is also why it costs more. And, and but they provide all these things that we need to like really, you know, leverage these results. And I mean, we saw, I mean, many, many, many companies brought in millions and some tens of millions. And we projected a couple, probably hundreds of millions in revenue. Um, they wouldn't admit that, right? Because it didn't make sense for them. But in terms of lifetime revenue, I mean, we work with some of the biggest companies in the world and it was amazing how many tens of thousands of customers came in through referrals. It was, it was, it was way more than we anticipated in, in a lot of cases. So um, certainly companies made a lot. And I think the average company, you know, also did really well. Like it was a, most people would say it was like one of the most efficient channels or it was, the, the highest LTV or the lowest cost of acquisition, like usually ha played into some really solid KPIs. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Sorry, Jeff, uh, I have mm. to work towards wrapping up cause I've got to go in two minutes, but um, sure. I really don't mean to be rude to cut you off. Um, but yeah, we'd love to hear just quickly how um, the acquisition of ambassador came about and um, yeah, the best place people can find out more about yourself and your work. Sure. Um, so the acquisition, I mean, it was it was it was pretty it was pretty crazy. Um, I mean, it started with the discussion with the board and and really leadership team and understanding what our options were. Um, you know, we were kind of in a position where we either needed to raise more money um, and or um, you know and, and or look at other options. And selling was one of those options. And kind of as we went down the path, um, you know, we ended up hiring a banker and then and 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 going through the sales process, which is you know, takes almost a year and, and a lot of legwork and a lot of ups and downs. And it's, it's like fundraising, but times a hundred in terms of stress, maybe. Um, so it's, it's kind of crazy. And certainly uh, I could do a whole podcast on, on that, but, uh, I know you, I know you have to, to run. So, um, the best way for people to find me is probably, I think on, maybe on Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, but I'm just, my name is uh, at Jeff, J-E-F-F -F underscore Epstein, E-P-S-T-E-I-N. Um, you know, if you have people have questions, feel free to tweet at me or um, you can find me on LinkedIn or, as well. But, uh, you know, my email is on there, too. So happy to, to answer questions and be helpful if I can. And, and again, Nathan, I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, a lot of fun. Amazing. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on all your success. And, uh, yeah, we'll speak soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content. 
either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.